There cool. was there was no doubt whatsoever in my mind. I was by myself. Um, you know, I'd gone through what was considered a, a, a fairly nasty divorce. And it was funny because as part of this divorce, you know, my, my wife's attorney said, well, we see you starting this company. And, you know, we want half the we want half the company. And I said, you're welcome to it as long as you have half the debt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. That's not what we want. And I said, no, I appreciate that. You get half the debt. Because in those days, we signed on the debt. When I signed that, you're jointly and severally liable for the debt. There's no corporate guarantee. Right. Which means, of course, if you go under anything you have, which at the time for me was not much, um, they take it. Yep. So you lose any house or any property you have. So it was, uh, it was truly, you know, putting your balls right on the table and having a hammer right over them, ready to go. Oil and gas makes modern life possible. The energy the world requires today and tomorrow will come from decisions made in the oil field today. Oil and gas will remain the leading source of fuel to power affordable energy that is sustainable for the billions of people that depend on the success of the industry. The oil field is a group of people, companies, technologies, and institutions working towards providing the world with safe, clean, storable, and transportable power. The Oilfield 360 podcast is a 360-degree deep dive into the leaders of the industry who will provide listeners with a first-hand account of what it takes to build, maintain, and lead the energy business into the future. The Oilfield 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Lockton Global Energy and Marine, uncommonly independent. Lockton is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Lockton's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit Lockton.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com. Hello, and welcome to the Oilfield 360 podcast, brought to you by Upright Digital. We are coming to you live today from the floor of the North American Prospect Expo, otherwise known as NAEP, uh, and to the oil and gas industry known as National Hangover Week for oil and gas executives. I am your host, Greg Davis. Uh, pleased to be joining you today with my esteemed co-host, David El Huapo de Rode. Thank Huapo, you. how are you today? Muy bueno. Yeah, yeah, good, good. You were a good boy last night. I was uh, a good boy last night. We had a, we had a lot of, uh, you know, pressure on us today. We did. We had to mind our p's and q's, yes. and, and we had to lay off the good wine that Zach Lee was serving at his at his arm. Zach dinner was serving last some night. good wine. He was He's serving some great clearly wine. Clearly charging his clients too much. But, well, uh, <laughs> there's that. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. Uh, no, Zach doesn't overcharge. He would never no, do no, that. No, no, no. no, no. But uh, no, it's great to be at Nape. A uh, lot of buzz. A lot of activity. Clearly, a lot of uh, social calendars are full, so yes. uh, I think it's been a great week for Houston, and I'm looking forward to kind of walking around and seeing uh, 
seeing what's on display out there. Yeah. This week is always a tough week for me because, as you know, I've got a big case of FOMO. And when I look at my calendar, <laughs> you know, there's like 20 different parties each day. They all overlap to each other. It looks just like a bunch of throw up on the yeah. Outlook screen. I need a clone. Yeah. But yeah. a better looking, funnier, you know, more like effective clone. Right? Yeah. Uh, maybe like one of those robots or something. Yeah. If we get some, we get some scientists to work on that yeah, for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, should we talk about this guy sitting to our left? Would you like to introduce this man? Are we going to talk bad or, or good? Well, all of it. All of it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whole Absolutely. Deal. I'd love to introduce this man. So we have uh, none other than the infamous Roger Hudson, the, uh, the Don of Denver, <laughs> the man who actually runs Colorado, despite what Mr. <laughs> Governor Polis thinks, and uh, a good friend to both of us, and, uh, and also uh, uh, a good confidant and counselor and advisor, and uh, partner in crime. So, yeah. <laughs> Roger, thanks for uh, coming on the show this what morning. What a pleasure. What a pleasure to be here. Man, it's good to see you guys. It's always yeah. great to see Upright, you, Upright, vertical. That's yeah. I've never seen you that way before. We're thriving. Right. Jesus. We're thriving today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's well, a change. It, it's delightful. Well, it, yeah. And for those in the listening audience who, who may have never met you, unfortunately, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to give them a glimpse into you and, and who you are, but uh, I think I prefaced or I... I I explained when we were going to be putting you on this podcast that uh, you're that guy that if I get abducted in a foreign country and I got one phone call and I'm lucid enough to remember any phone numbers, you're getting the call, brother. And you, I'll, you, we'll you'll get, get you. me out of there. You will we'll get me get out you, of there. Or I'll negotiate a good price for you. Yeah. Well, say that. That's fair. But uh, any, anybody, anytime anybody asks me about Roger Hurts, I'm like, let me sum it up by telling you this. If you ever get stuck somewhere and it's hairy, that's the guy who's going to get you out. Oh, man, you're being way too kind, but I appreciate that. Same, same right back at both of you. No, it's been it's great. Been a pleasure. Well, David and I, as he mentioned, we've been knowing you for a long, long time. I think you were maybe one of the first CEOs I ever worked with back in my Kane Anderson days. <laughs> Crazy to think about that. Yeah, you uh, were a baby. I was a young one. Youngin'. Uh, but no, look, you've, you've taught me a lot. Um, I've, I've certainly grown and benefited from being around you, and I, I thought it would be great just to get you on here and give people your perspective because you've got one of the most interesting kind of origin stories, let's call it, uh, going through a tough time in the 80s in the industry. I don't know if you lost your job or you quit your job, yeah, but, you, I still but, don't you, know. but you jumped right in I head first, <laughs> didn't even know if there was water in the pool, right? Uh, and started your own business. So maybe maybe if we can launch off of that, just kind of walk us through, you know, the, the origin of the hero cycle here. Oh, yeah, right. Sure. Well, you know, the thing you realize is uh, I'm hard-pressed to find somebody who's who's got a great job that that's getting paid well and working at a great company. And they said, uh, gee, you know, I think I'm going to give all this up, go start a company on my own because we're all our own worst enemy, right? right? I mean, we have confidence in everybody around us except ourselves. Very true. And those people that have nothing but confidence in themselves and nobody else <laughs> around them, you probably don't want running the company. And, uh, yeah, it was working at a uh, small independent and uh, prices were were bad. I think one on the tanks was $9 a barrel. And the owner of the little private company, private mm -hmm. company, the owner came to me and said, you know, you need to fire this gentleman down the hall. And we had a, in addition to production, we had a little water disposal uh, company that was the only thing generating revenue at the time. Everything else was underwater. And he goes, yeah, you need to fire him. And I said, you know, I can't do that. I mean, it's, it's the only thing making money. And he said, no, he's getting old. It's time to fire him. <laughs> For a brother, I, I can't do it. You want to fire him, you fire him. It's no big deal. And he said, uh, well, I'm going to lunch. And uh, 
if I come back and he's not fired, you're fired. You're fired, yeah. And I said, okay. So he headed off to lunch. He came back, and I said, well, I guess I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> and uh, so I sat there, and, and uh, you know, you try working from home for a while, and that's when you realize your wife doesn't like you that much, and the kids aren't that much fun to hang out with, 8 to 12 hours a day, and, and uh, your golf game isn't really very good. And uh, so I managed to uh, – my office – excuse me, downtown, was always within one to two blocks of the Brown Palace, which is, for people that don't know, it's this iconic old hotel founded 1892, has the only cigar bar left in Denver, old school traditions, which is kind of nice to have. I I think of it as the center of gravity (laughs) for Denver. (laughs) And so I I found my way. I, I, I would go down in the morning and have breakfast at the Brown Palace and their little restaurant there and if I could get hook or crook anybody to come in and either have coffee with me or, or uh, have breakfast, I would as long as they were paying. And, I, you know, I told my wife, honey, I'm going to find a job or I'm going to start a company. I don't know what's going to happen, but by God, we're going to give it a shot because I don't have a choice. And, uh, you know, we're down there, and the manager came over to me one day, and he said, you know, Mr. Hudson, he said, I think we, we figured out what's going on with you. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well... Let us just say we figured out what's going on with you. And he said, so your coffee is free as long as you come here. Any of your guests, you have free coffee. And once a week, we will buy you and, and two other guests breakfast. Try to help you out. That's all, yeah. And I said, my God, I didn't know what to do. And, and uh, right around 930 when I couldn't stomach any more coffee, I would slide through the back door in the Churchill's, which was the cigar and scotch bar. Which didn't open until 11, which was <laughs> solid because nine, I would have been starting really early. Yeah, 9.30 is strong. <laughs> you, know, you know, if I start before 11, it's not going to be a good day. 11 well, you, or later, I'm okay. You can't What's drink that? all day unless you start in the morning Well, either. you know, that's yeah, true. That's, and as yeah. Dean Martin said, you know, um, you know, that's the thing. If, if, what do you say? If you, if, he goes, I feel sorry for the people that don't drink because, you know, when they wake up in the morning, that's the best they're going to feel all day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean. There's no. also there's also the old uh, if you don't drink or smoke or stay up late, you don't actually live longer. It just <laughs> it just seems like you do. Uh, so yeah, I think they're along the same lines. Yeah, well, I would. So I sat in there and and I had my um, I had a I shouldn't say it, but I had a you know I had a a, a pirated Aries program and and a, the old DOS version, and I oh, had wow. my my gigantic cell phone, and I had my um, uh, my little laptop computer and and i sat in there for however long that was my office yeah for about six months and they kept me in peanuts and diet coke and um i finally found somebody that took pity on me and and gave me a gave me an office to hang out in but um you know i'd look for a lot of jobs and it was hard coming again prices were bad yeah, what year was this? this is 80 that would have been right around no 99 into 2000 yeah and i hooked onto this deal some friends from union pacific um they were selling their last vestiges of some stuff uh in a package that had failed and it was silo field Mm -hmm. and some production in um, nebraska and i picked up their entire silo field production the gas plant 37,000 
acres uh, for not a lot of money. And during this process, which as everybody can relate, whether you're working or not working, but especially when you don't have a job, you got small kids, it's stressful. I mean, I was the only one working at the time. My, my wife at the time had three degrees. She had an undergraduate from Mines in Geological Engineering, a Master's in Finance, and a Master's in Environmental Engineering, a couple of which I paid for, but that's okay. And she was staying, at, she was staying home minding the children. And um, so it's kind of stressful. And uh, so, but I, I managed to, to hook on to this deal and... Um, You're good. Okay. Am I looking the wrong way, David? No, 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 no. You want, no. Me to, want me to stare over here and talk to those guys? No, I, was, I saw okay. Will Jarreau walk by. I and saw I, that. I pointed at him. And anyway, sorry about that. Good grief. No, it's yeah. okay. Professional. Yeah. Love I'm sorry if I'm, bo- I'm, sorry, you know, you know, I'm sorry if I'm boring you. No, no, no. No, no. Let's go ahead and let's talk about something else. No, no. Let's no. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Keep going. All right. So, so what's the, what's, what's, all right. You're, you're, okay. You're, you're hoofing out of the Brown Palace. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, subsidizing you, helping you out a little bit. Yeah. You find this package, Silo Field, yep. Nebraska. What's the breakthrough? Because, I mean, I don't know how many nickels you had to rub together at the I time. Had, it didn't I had. like I, a, well, a big pile of them. during this process, uh, my wife decided she really didn't like me anymore and filed for divorce. There you yeah. go. So we go through this whole rigmarole where I'm trying to go through this. And uh, we, we come to an agreement on the, on the, on the package and uh, which is which is great. Um, I did find a bank uh, in Denver that was willing to bank it, and I think I needed a million in equity, which was terrific. Except I didn't have that. <laughs> I didn't have a tenth of that. And uh, you know, I went out looking for money because I was pretty smart and figured I could find it. And uh, I remember um, sitting down with some folks and said, "I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'll put the package in because it's a great little deal." You put the money in, we'll split it 50-50. And they smiled and patted me on the head, just like you do with all the young guys today, (laughs) and said, son, that sounds really good. Let me explain to you what we're going to do. We're going to give you all the money you need. You're going to put the company in there. And if it works out, maybe on the upside, we'll give you 10%. And I said, man, that just doesn't sound good to me. And I sat down with one of the... It's uh, making private equity look good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I sat down. I actually drove and met with um, some folks at one of the well-known private equity firms. And they, look, they were very kind and very helpful, but it was the same sort of private equity deal. I said, man, I... But long story short, um, I found a bank. They said, you need about a million. And I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm in trouble. So, but the, the, what happened is this was coming from... Um, Union Pacific, right? This is when they still had their oil company. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where they managed all their managers. So we had a, let's see, I hooked that deal in January. I think we put a March effective date on it. We didn't close till October, which was stunning because the price of oil went from about $9.90 a barrel in the tanks to $27. So as prices increased, of course, the value of the asset increased, which meant the bank could loan more against the property. And we get to closing, and I get the preliminary settlement statement, and the bank had called me that day. I said, what do we need to settle? Because I still had no money. <laughs> okay, I'm like, fuck. 
you know, we're closing here in two weeks. I've got, I've got 100000 Right. I got no family to have any money, nor would I ask them. Yeah, the best right. way to lose family. And uh, I get the preliminary settlement statement in, and it says I have 575000 in accrued revenue. And the bank calls and they said, you need 500000 to close the deal. So closing comes. I apply the accrued revenue over to the bank. We float the loan. And down we go and the rest is history. And quite frankly, if prices went the other way, I'd be living under a bridge. Yeah. There, well, was, there was no doubt whatsoever in my mind. I was by myself. Um, you know, I'd gone through what was considered a, a, a fairly nasty divorce. And it was funny because as part of this divorce, you know, my, my wife's attorney said, well, we see you starting this company. And, you know, we want half the, we want half the company. And I said, you're welcome to it as long as you have half the debt. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, wait a minute. That's not what we want. And I said, no, I appreciate that. You get half the debt. Because in those days, we signed on the debt. When I signed that, you're jointly and severally liable for the debt. There's no mm. corporate guarantee. Right. Which means, of course, if you go under anything you have, which at the time for me was not much, um, they take it. Yeah. So you lose any house or any property you have. So it was, uh, it was truly, you know, putting your balls right on the table and having a hammer right over them, re ready to go. Yeah. Um, but the rest was sort of history. It closed, and fortunately, prices came up, and they steadied. And, and that was the first company. It was called Paladin Energy Partners. <clears throat> well, and I remember, so, David, I was writing our... We were first back in Roger. Was it like oh seven. Uh, we sold 06. Paladin in oh six, and you guys came in right about oh seven. Yeah, yeah, right. So I, re I retired for a year. So I'm writing this. I'm writing this memo for our investment committee, right? And I'm like, Roger, hey, and I'm just getting to know the guy. And I call him up. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm 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 putting your track record details in here, and something I can't figure out is, it's like a four thousand percent ROI, <laughs> and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get laughed at because this is like the first memo I'm writing to Kane Anderson. You know, they're like. Yeah. Uh, Greg, we can't put this in front of investors. It, it can't be real. And sure as hell, when I got the full story, I was like, well, yeah, totally real. But I was like, how about if I treat that, you know, accrued revenue as equity and just kind of shave it down to like, you know, a 200x? Like, how would that be? <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's how it all starts. So, you know, and, and I definitely something I want to touch on that you brought up there is it's something I've, I've definitely taken from you, uh, which is, look, when you when you take the risk and you do well, it's really important to take care of the people that helped you out. Oh man, and to, and to put back into your community and, and I don't know you're, that's a big part of, of what you do and it's taught me a lot as well. But talk a little bit about just okay, you're kind of backed into a corner in a sense. You're you're faking it till you make it. You're you're, <laughs> you're scrapping to get this paladin deal put together, which came together perfectly, right? Your timing oh, yeah. was excellent. We we're blessed. Uh, but yeah. you know the industry changed a whole lot between 99 and when the tide came in and prices ramped and everybody made a bazillion dollars and then, you know, you go to get real private equity, if you want to call it that, <laughs> in 07. Yeah, how, how, how did you think about, you know, that transition? Because you've got some money in your pocket now. Mm -hmm. You've got a track record. You're known to the industry uh, as, a, as a quality counterparty on transactions. How did you think about, you know, stepping into private equity and mapping that landscape and, and what would make a good partner? Well, you know, it's interesting because when we, uh, so we sold in 06, and when I say we, I think there was a total of, you know, four or five people at that point, mm -hmm. um, all great folks. Um, and we all decided to take some time off. Um, 
and I'd be I'd be wrong not to call out, you know, one of my partners, Terry Pape, who I always say was the best post closing adjustment I ever had because <laughs> I was buying another company and and uh, Terry was the field pumper. It's a great story, and he ran all the field operations. I'm buying these gentlemen out of Casper, Wyoming. And they had some DG assets. And we we're sitting around and negotiating the price. And Terry was at the table. And we we're going back and forth. And, and Terry owned an interest in some of these assets. He did sweat equity, things of that nature. And I said, Terry, I said, what's your, what's your opinion on, on what we're talking about here? And he looked at me and goes, well, Raj, I don't know if it's you or them, but I'm pretty sure I'm fixing to get screwed here. <laughs> and I said, well. I said, Terry, so I'll tell you what, why don't you keep your assets and why don't you come work with me and why don't you stick, because I need a good hand. Yeah. And uh, he's been nothing but great ever since. Um, we sell and uh, it's, it's time to look forward. So uh, that first deal, in my mind, I made enough to, to never have to work again. And, you know, it's funny, you go out when you make some money when you have an event and I ask people, you know, what do you need to retire? What is, what is that number? <laughs> and everybody's got a number, right? Yeah. And uh, I can tell you some of the guys at, at Citibank will tell you in their private bank, they say to a person, no matter how much somebody has, whether it's half a million, a million, hundred million, doesn't matter. The answer is always, if I only have twice what I have today, I'm good. Yeah. Yep. And um, I think that... So what we did is we originally looked at doing a reverse merger, doing a going in on a little penny stock type deal. Ooh. And uh, the market was hot, right? I mean, the market was hot, uh, but the mar market starts changing. We had a shell set up, um, and the market started changing. And we had been friends with one of the, with, well, with a number of the private equity firms. And um, one of them come to us and said, you know, we'd love to spot you for, 250 million. Well, if you'll remember, this was late 07, 08, okay. and prices are high. They're sort of like where we are now. And I said, you know, man, trying to place 250 million into this market just makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work, and it just makes me nervous. Um, can we start with a smaller equity commitment? And, and look, I was more than pleased they were willing to back us. They said, no, we can't do that. I mean, that's our standard size deal. And uh, they said, you know, you may go talk to Kane Anderson. That's this little itty bitty firm just getting <laughs> going. And they do little deals. And uh, so we reached out and I got a call from Yates. And we started talking. And sure enough, he had done some, he did some background checks on me and checks me out and comes up. And we, I think we met at the Brown Palace. I assume that's like And, uh, you know, it was fascinating. And we agreed. I think I think our first equity commitment was like $50 million or something. Yeah, it was. Okay. 48 uh, and 2. There we go. And uh, it was, you know, it turned out great. And uh, I remember we bought our first property, some Encana assets. Mm -hmm. And the price dropped by 75% in like the first year. It was bad timing. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was the opposite of the coin. Right. Yeah. But our theory was, right, our theory was... I know that I'm not that smart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of equity firms want you to go, you go big or go home, right? You're going to go buy one big asset. And, man, if you screw that up, it's all over. I mean, how many of our friends have we seen who 
they, they go buy a half billion to a billion dollar asset. That's all they've got. They're going to develop it. And, and it wasn't quite what they thought it was. Yeah. The, you know, the one thing that's always impressed me, well, a lot of things about you, Roger, but your discipline that you that you take in the way you evaluate deals, how you run your business, weekly operational financial update calls, get invited to those. It's it's incredible. And uh, and that that discipline, I think, is is something that the broader industry lacks. But I applaud you for keeping that, you know. It's like anybody can can go take a bunch of money and go do something, but is it the right thing to do? Yeah, and and what and what David means when he says these weekly update calls, it's no joke. It's yeah. it's the bankers are invited, your private equity sponsors invited, you know, the surety guys are invited, your risk management, yeah. guy. the lawyers yeah, are invited, which is unbelievable. It's a level of yeah, but it's it's a it's a level of transparency and fosters a level of trust that that some people are just not comfortable with, right? They kind of want to keep you a little arm's length, but you had a different tack to it, and and I. I fully embrace that style because, man, there's too much going on. Life is too short, and I got to cut to the chase. Yeah, I mean, I I look at it this way. I I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I absolutely know it, which is philosophically why if we get a equity commitment instead of doing one deal to value the equity, we'll do five. Mm-hmm. Because I will promise you, I will promise you, at least one of those deals will not work out, and one to two of those will work out really good, and the other two will work out okay. Yeah. Well, you also, you know. David's point on discipline in seeing you operate, you know, two things are true. One, and this is a fact, you're the only CEO that we ever encountered and maybe in the history of private equity <laughs> who wanted written into your governance docs that my private equity sponsor cannot force me to pay more than I want to for an <laughs> asset. And I'm like, uh, Roger, do you understand how this works? Uh, it's typically the opposite problem. Uh, but I, but I came to respect that because you're right. And the other thing that I think separated you from from the crowd at that point in time, because everybody was going big, everybody was going mm-hmm. unconventional, taking a lot more risk than they knew themselves, or certainly that they advertised. And I saw, I think we saw the aftermath of that, which we'll touch on here in a bit, and how that's impacted mm-hmm. our industry. But you know, your style was more like you know that show on uh, History Channel, Storage Wars, you know, or A and E, whatever show, whatever channel that's on, and you'll just go and and just you know you'll 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 have a sense for what you want to own and where, what geographies you want to operate in, then you'll just go and be patient. And mm-hmm. I've never, you know, just the art of the deal uh, and just the learnings from just, hey, here's how you land something to where you don't offend them when you go in lower than what they're hoping mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And you give yourself a chance to be the eventual buyer, which, look, as a younger private equity firm that I'm at now and smaller, we've, we, we see a lot of that, right? Like we're not going to come in if, if the competition is super hot. And things are being, you know, valued at, at levels we can't quite get our arms around. We'll we'll walk away and go somewhere else, right? And so that was a big learning for me. Um, it's just like, hey, just because you don't make the headlines with your deal doesn't mean you're not going to generate a lot of wealth. Well, and there's the thing, right? It's about making money, mm-hmm. and sometimes people really? forget that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you know, margin. It, it <laughs> well, and you know, to your point, David, um, <clears throat> we always treated our our friends at at Kane as our partners. Mm-hmm. And our banks, as our partners, I have to have respect for their capital, for their investment. And the same with with you, with, with at the surety companies and and everything else, is that you're backing us, you're giving us an awful lot of support and trust with the money you're investing with us. And I, 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 I there's a responsibility. I have my money right next to yours, but I want you to be part of the decision making. Now, I may not agree with you. Mm-hmm. And in all of our history together at Kane, I could never think of really any time 
that we had any major arguments. We had a no. lot of we had a lot of discussions. We had we had a we lot, had of, lot of discourse. Yes, a lot of discourse. <laughs> but no. there was never anything that we weren't able to come together on. And and I'm a big believer, David. To your point, you know, when when we started, I came out of I worked for Basin Exploration for a while, which was Michael Smith, and I ran their mergers and acquisition group, and uh, we we did fairly well on it. Um, and I held these weekly meetings, and I had. Um, even though I answered directly to Michael, I had all these uh, VPs who would attend the weekly meeting. Of course, they wouldn't want to attend, so they'd send their number, number two guys. And, but the rule was, I don't like hall talk. So in other words, if we're going to go through and look at something, let's put it on the table. Mm -hmm. Let's get it out now, because I don't want to have a discussion. And then we walk out of the room, and some guy's like, you know, Hudson's such an ass. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, let's talk about that now. Because there, there's, I have no problem with it. I mean, let's get it out. And, you know, you really should talk about what Terry said on that one call. No, but I don't know <laughs> if I can do that. Well, and you'd have to be more specific. Terry, you know, uh, Terry Papers, he's like the Chuck, he's the Chuck Norris of the oil field business. Yeah. So uh, I ain't messing with Terry. No, I think, but, it, and, you know, that's why we do that. Because we go through, and, but understand, I also respect everybody's time. When we say we have our weekly meetings every Tuesday, 2 o'clock, I remember telling Yates, you know, we're going to have these meetings, and I want you to attend. And Chuck said, well, you know, we'll do our best. And I said, <laughs> you misunderstand me. I'm not signing the damn term sheet unless I know somebody from Kane's on the phone. Yeah. And if you're not willing to be on the phone, we're not going to sign the term sheet. Right. Another, another one of those, who the hell is this yeah, guy? Right. <laughs> who, who are you? Yeah. And, uh, which, and, and to their credit, you know, uh, Kane always makes it. Mm -hmm. And, but our meetings are amazingly respectfully short. You know, here's what's going on at the company. Here are the cash balances. Here are the financials. We review those every month. We we have cash balances every week. We go through operationally. We go through new opportunities. And if anybody wants to talk about stuff, the average meeting is less than thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, so I think it's helpful. I think it's I think it's incredibly helpful and impactful, and it's it's uh, it's. It's something I share with everybody I talk to when it, as it relates to whether they're an EMP company or service company midstream. It's just good governance. And um, I think if, if people adopted that philosophy of getting everybody in the room, doing a you know, weekly update call, 30 minutes, there'd be a lot of companies in better positions uh, than they are today. And it probably wouldn't have the issues that we had. I know we, I know we wanted to talk about mm -hmm. that kind of uh, in regards to where your peers kind of took all the money they could, went and did deals they probably shouldn't have. And because, no, there was no true collaboration, there's probably a lot of stuff that, that happened that could have been prevented had they, uh, had they had that level of collaboration. So, anyways, I, 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 think, I applaud you for that. It's one of the things that... that that impresses me most about you and the, in the company and the fact that have been on those calls, people do show up for those calls. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I just, I think that's great. And I think if anybody's listening, um, which I know they are, I would strongly encourage them to consider, you know, evaluating the way they, they run their companies and, and thinking about implementing a, a weekly or biweekly discussion, yeah, and with it's, all parties at the table. And it's something you say a lot, David, which, you know, ESG is a front of mind right now. 
And, you know, we, we don't spend enough time talking about the G yeah. in that acronym because this is a great example. And, and it's something that I've implemented as I've, as I've moved on in my <clears throat> career as well, which is, hey, listen, full transparency. You're always going to know where I'm at. You may not agree with me always, but you mm -hmm. will always know where I am. And we're always going to be able to just sit down and be reasonable with each other and talk about differences to the extent we have them. Uh, and it, 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 you know, but it starts from the point you made earlier, Roger, is recognizing you're not the smartest guy in the room. That's right. You know, and I'm not even close, right? So <laughs> I'm trying to surround myself with people who will, who will cover my blind spots and check my reasoning and logic and, and keep me from making mistakes, which is hugely critical uh, as, as contrasted by some folks who maybe don't like to be questioned because they may be fearful of being wrong or, you know, having their opinion changed by the, the informed ideas of others. Uh, saw a lot of that, right? And it comes down from leadership typically. So it's got to be a top-down uh, almost mandate, if you will, or at least a cultural uh, sort of permeation of what you believe. And if the CEO is not there, then it doesn't really happen, right? Oh, that's true. You know, we, we extend that same philosophy. We Look, our, our companies have, have focused essentially uh, in the Rockies, primarily in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, However, HRM3 is mainly Wyoming. We had enough of the regulatory yeah. environment in Colorado and got out of there in 17 um, based on what we saw coming. But at the same time, our staff at HRM always understands to be respectful and helpful to the regulatory bodies. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to do their job. Whenever we move into a new operating area, myself and staff always go meet with the head of each, uh, most of our acres right now is BLM, with the head of each BLM office. So we have three different BLM offices that we deal with. And then the state and the state officials from the governor down through the head of the, the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. And one of the things I do when I talk to them <clears throat> is I tell them that, look, if there's anything that we're doing, you know, always we, we want to be helpful. If there's something that we should be changing, let us know. But above all else, if there's issues going on in the field that you don't feel you're getting resolved, here's my cell phone number. You call me, and I promise I will follow up on it. And, but understand the opposite works. If I feel your office isn't getting crap done and we're needing to get stuff pushed through, I'm going to call you, yep. and I need your help. And it has worked so well because most folks with, especially in the regulatory side, they want to check a box. They want to know you did this. And if, if they can't check that box because you either haven't filled it out or you're just ignoring them, <laughs> crap gets real bad real quick. We yeah. inflict so much of this on ourselves. Well, it's engenders, it engenders a lack of trust. Right? Yeah, it does. And, and the thing that, that, was, that was eye-opening to me was, you know, most people think of their stakeholders as the people who give them money. Yeah. And yeah. I think you take a much broader view of that, of that word, and I think that served you well. And, I, and you were way ahead of the curve there. Um, that's where most people kind of view the regulatory as like a, as a nuisance factor uh, or people that they really <laughs> don't want to interact with. You, you kind of embrace them in a way that they probably are not used to. Um, and I, th I think that's getting better, and people are probably adopting your style a little bit more so today. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're, my, from my perspective, you were a thought leader in that regard in, in terms of how, and given the fact that you're operating mostly in Colorado throughout your history, you know, you're, you're steeped in it, right? So oh, yeah. 
how do you how do you embrace the challenge and and do it in a way where you can navigate and still find your way to a successful outcome? Uh, so it took a lot from that as well. Um, you know, Remember the ESG conference that um, Kane put on. Kane early mm -hmm. on started this ESG conference, right? Right, and um, I brought down. Um, Tracy, who was running the Colorado Petroleum Council, who now runs the Permian Basin Alliance, right? Tracy Bentley, amazing, yeah. amazing mm -hmm. Permian person. Strategic Partnership. Yes. He introduced me One to... One of my absolute best <clears throat> friends and a complete ball buster. <laughs> and she's amazing. And, uh, you know, uh, we came down and we're addressing, I don't know, 50 CEOs or 30 CEOs, yeah, whoever was there. And I remember the guys from the from the Permian Basin. We're talking about you know pressure testing lines. We're talking about this. We're talking about that. And they're all looking at us like we're out of our mind. Yeah, screw you. That's never going to happen. <laughs> we we work in Texas, you know, where people love us and you know they they realize what we contribute. Yeah, we know. have a firewall to some. We degree, do. Right? Yeah, you know, we are gods. Right. Uh, we are our own gods. And I remember it was just maybe two years later. They're all like, Jesus. Yeah, you were right. It just hit us like a ton of bricks. And Colorado um, has been a leading force in a lot of change. And it, 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 it's been helpful in certain things and not helpful in others because it's very easy to overreach. Um, and we found ourselves in a position where I think through the industry, trying to want to be helpful has been misinterpreted by some of the environmental groups as weakness. And so, um, and we're, we're not very cohesive, right, as an industry. We think we are, but we're not. No, we're not at all. We're, totally we're, agree we're, that. we're, we're herding cats. And uh, so you get a couple companies saying, hey, we got this great idea. We're going to go work with the, uh, you know, with the Earth Guardian Group. And, uh, or, 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 you know, the Nature Defense Fund or what have you. And uh, they came back and they said, look at this. And everybody's like, you're out. You did, you did what? what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, the, and then the group goes back to the east and west coast and raises money based off the victory Jay just had over the oil and gas industry. So. Well, and you got to, to your point, you've always been willing to jump in the trenches and be a part of the fight. And, Have to. And, yeah. and, and that's smart because, you know, if I'm a big player, right, I can weaponize the regulatory bodies against the little guys. Oh, yeah. And so our voice, you know, collectively, that's the challenge. There's so many disparate companies and people and opinions and approaches that there's just been a lack of cohesion, certainly from the folks who are on the independent side, on the smaller side, it's in, and private equity is a microcosm of that, right? Uh, but you've always done a good job of bringing everybody to the table and making sure that voice is heard, you know, especially in your home state. And it's and it struck me, too, it's, it's not that you just, you know, go to these people's offices and, you know, do the dog and pony show and, and kind of put, a, put an act on for them. I mean, if I'm meeting you at the Brown Palace at Churchill's, they're sitting on the couches having a cigar with you and enjoying a scotch, and you're, you, you've, you've found a way to really ingratiate yourself with folks that, that I think gives you a level of credibility that they know you're not just, you know, you're not bullshitting them. No, I think it's, it's respect, right? Mm -hmm. And you know you have to be serious about what you're doing, and, and um, it's easy to give airtime in either way. You know, we have companies that have recently moved into Colorado, um, that have made some fairly major acquisitions and they go meet the governor and they get the perfunctory 15 minutes and yeah. thank you very much. Um, it's important that they know uh, not only that they're serious, but it's good to be able to have a conversation. If there's a question, you can call yep. and ask. 
And you're not going to blow smoke up somebody's ass for the first, for the pure reason that you want to ingratiate yourself to them. Yeah. Um, they're not looking at that. They've got staffs that will do that for them. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> they just want somebody that, that can give them an honest opinion that, that, you know, you're respectful. You're not going to throw it in their face. But, God, be honest with them and let them know what they're walking into. I think you know. that that's another one of the things that, that that impresses me. I'm glad you brought that up is, you know, the collaboration you have with the BLM. I was in a client's office the other day right after I got off the panel discussion with uh, Wicklin and Barb Ballman. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of people don't uh, don't appreciate that they're are a number of stakeholders in their outcome mm -hmm. and uh and that's critical but i think also too when i've been around you fortunate enough to be around you and uh in your backyard <laughs> and you know there's governor polis or whomever you're a gentleman there's a there's civility that is present and and that is lacking in so many folks and they you know you catch catch more uh uh, flies with honey than, than you do vinegar. So, you know, uh, another another lesson to be learned, I think, listeners, that uh, a little bit of civility and calm goes a long way, although I have seen you get a little red at times. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but well, for the come most on. part, I there's mean, a level you, of calm. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you try to find the things you have in common, and then you go from there, right? I yeah. mean, you don't have to agree with everything. Polis is, uh, Polis is a fascinating figure. Um, you know, he's, he's truly a libertarian, much more than he is a Democrat. And he operates, he has certain things in his wheelhouse and other things he delegates. And he, he you know, a lot of people pushed on him on oil and gas. And he's very much an environmentalist. But he's also very much a capitalist. And... Um, you know, what he does is he pushes things down. And if oil and gas really wasn't in his wheelhouse, it was other things. Um, but, you know, he's, if, if there's an issue and you bring it up to him, he'll, he'll deal with it. And, and he's got a good staff at the COGCC. There are people on his administration that hate oil and gas. Yeah. Hate it. And, um, you know, it's a tough state. Tough. You know, I always tell people, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day who operates in California, and I've drilled wells in California, and California is bad. It's a, rough, it's a rough state to work in. But it's sort of consistently bad. You can sort of count on it, and you sort right. of know what the penance you're going to pay for any of your actions. Colorado is inconsistently bad. Right. And that's because each, each area, each county, each town sort of has their say on what they want to do. So when you're in there trying to develop things, it, it becomes challenging. Uh, and when I say bad, bad, just put in the word challenging because it's, yeah. it's, it's not easy. And I always remember we drilled in Kansas. We wanted to get a drilling permit in Kansas. You literally drop it off at 1130 in the morning. You go have lunch. You pick it up at 1. <laughs> and you can move the rig in in 24 hours. You know, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So. Well, no, I remember when you when you sold it was HRM two or HRM three. I can't remember. And we were talking about, hey, what are we going to do? What two. We, we still have three going okay. on. Don't well, don't don't get ahead of the press release. Okay? I'm, I'm preordaining your success. <laughs> yeah. CIBC is going to do a great job in that sales oh, process. Jesus Everybody God. sign up. Uh, no, but I remember after you, we sold that business, it was a great outcome. Uh, we were talking about, hey, well, what, what's the next leg or what's the next chapter in the book? Where are we going? And you said, Greg, I'm actually I'm thinking about going to California. 
and I almost threw up, <laughs> fell out of my chair, and I looked at him just sideways. I was like, what are you talking about? California's where private equity goes to die. Uh, he's like, look, though, Greg, I can buy things for value, and I know the rules. They suck. They're terrible. They don't make any sense, but they're consistently bad. I can operate within that framework as long as you're not moving the ground on me, right? And I think that's one thing people don't appreciate is that is that if you you know if you have an active voice, you embrace the regulatory bodies, you try to shape the outcome. You know, it may not land exactly where you want, and they're always going to ask for more, more, more. Uh, but at least you know where you stand, right? And that's mm-hmm. the, that's been the thing with Colorado that I know you've been on the front lines trying to change the way you know. You, the, the way that people, things can be brought up on ballots and voted for, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> which, which is very important. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things we've always prided ourselves on in business is really being able to work with anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are companies out there people just will not do business with. And I look at it, um, I view that as an advantage. I'll, I'll, shoot, I'll deal with anybody. Yep. You know, I've dealt with you for years. I know. And, right. and it says a lot. Yeah, it really does. Has you her know. duty pay. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that his daughter looks more like me than him is a whole different discussion <laughs> piece. <that's>, <laughs> you had to go there, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you brought it up just yeah. the other yeah. night yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you asked me if I was going to help on college. I appreciate yeah. that. You know, yeah. that's a good, Whatever it takes, man. Hey, I'm well, happy Kate, to contribute. Kate, Kate's intelligence is, is, is similar to yours, so, I, you know, it's something to talk about. Well, yeah. there, there are these little pieces of information that yeah. when you start connecting the dots <laughs> You know, I yeah. mean, it's, <laughs> no, no, she's she's an amazing girl. Oh, amazing, girl. I love watching her wa- grow up, man. No, she's a doll. The yeah. fact that you don't allow her around me is is something else. But I appreciate she's get, watching. She's her. getting it indirectly through osmosis. Is Let's she? just say it that way. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Roger Hudson that passes through to through that uh, well, that lens. I think it may just come naturally. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's going to be a pistol. I wouldn't be surprised if she's not uh, president of the United States one of these days. She's 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 on the ball. I've, well, I've been. Who wants that I, we, job? We may, not, we may not let her do that job, <laughs> Who but, wants that uh, job anymore? but she could do it. Yeah. You so know. let's talk about some of the things that you do in the greater Denver community and, and uh, why, why you think it's important to, to, to be involved. And well, sure. I mean, you look, um, let's go all the way back to when I started with Paladin. I kid you not, I truly believe that had things gone one way or another, I literally would be living under a bridge. I mean, when I went through my divorce, I was living in my mother's spare bedroom. Ugh. Let's just talk about where that was. Okay? That, make, that makes the extended stay look like Okay. Awesome. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, in the spare bedroom had a twin bed. Yeah, there you go. Two twin beds. Mm-hmm. So I, and it was my old twin bed from when I was in high school. So, you know, 20 years of my life, and I end back in the same bed that I was sleeping in in high school in my mother's spare bedroom. And um, I was, I feel absolutely blessed that we were able to be successful. And you realize there's a lot of folks around you that, that help you. Uh, there's a lot of folks around you that um, have helped create the community in which you thrive and you have a good community. It's important to support it. Um, I'm just a big believer, and I try to tell the folks on our staff who are wonderful that, you know, whatever they find is important, we're going to find is important. Mm-hmm. If there's something that's important to them, it's important to us. And we want to make sure that we support it. Um, you know, for, for a lot of folks, um, I'm surprised that 
you, well, you have you have a couple different folks, and everybody. It's personal. I mean, there's no real requirement to to give to anything. Right. Um, I just happen to think that we're better off uh, if we all give back to the community in which we live and those things we find important. And it's always been that way for me. Um, my dad was just an old retired military guy. I mean, he didn't come from any money. My grandfather loaded freight on trains. Um, but family and community was important. And they came out of Enid, Oklahoma, and gosh, you know, that's about the salt of the earth as you can get. And uh, you, you learn that um, there's a lot of folks out there doing a lot of really good work. And they need as much help as they can get. And you find the things that you find interesting, right? I mean, I was on the, I, I, I worked a lot with the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, which is uh, the largest nonprofit theater in the United States by ticket sales. Amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. Brought great theater to Denver. Um, got involved with a, a hospital, St. Joe's Hospital in Denver, part of the SEL Health System. And, you know, that's basically you start getting to my age, and it's really good to have a relationship <laughs> with a hospital, you know, where they sort of know your name, right? <laughs> oh, that's Mr. Hudson. Look, he gave that. Well, he's relegated to the waiting room for two hours. But it's, it's I, I, I kid about it, but it's, it's effective and it's meaningful. They do, we do an awful lot of charity work for the folks in Denver. So, and I, you know, I, I just think it's important. And to your point on, on uh, industry organizations, you know, be involved in it because to your point, if you're not, it's easy to, it's easy to send your lieutenants or it's easy to send your government affairs people. The problem is they don't have the ability to make a decision. Right. I belong to a little group in Colorado called Colorado Concern. It's all CEOs. And the beauty of it is it's all CEOs. And when we have a board meeting and a decision is made, I mean, it's done. There's no I got to go back and check with my board. It's, and it's effective. Um, so I think it's just, it's all part and parcel, right? I mean, we've got the Navy SEALs deal coming up. Right, yep. and you yep. just had one here in Houston here, I think, a week ago. Yep. It was last week, wasn't it? That's correct. So another big deal. I mean, these folks go out every day uh, thankless, and a lot of times they don't come home. And, uh, you know, Greg and you were up at, at one a uh, few years ago, and, uh, you know, people come back different. And no, it's, it's, it's true. important to it's take true. care of them. Yep. So whatever we can do to help, man. It's also not bad to have some former Navy SEALs as friends. That's right. Yeah. This you know, is, that's go, that goes back to my being abducted in Mexico story. Yeah, right. Yes. right. <laughs> you got a crew. Or like when Jim, Dav when Jim Davis was around. I just called Jimmy. He'd come down and get you. Yeah, right. You know? Well, we appreciate what you do. It's important for the industry. Very few people are able to. And look, both sides have, you know, you've got the people who just hate oil and gas, don't want it to exist. And you've got the people who hate regulatory bodies, Deny that they exist. I mean, you got flat earthers on both sides, right? Oh, yeah. And you're willing to engage with all types. You have to. And bring them to the table. And like you said, it's, it's about finding a way to relate and building off of that, right? And, and not just, you know, hunkering down and hoping for the best. What are we seeing in D.C. right now? Absolute stalemate. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Because they were, there's a small group of folks that will deal with each other. And thankfully so, I think, on this. I mean, good Lord, God bless Mansion. 
and cinema. Yeah, I mean, to stand up yeah. like that. So many people said, yeah, yeah Mansion's going to cave. Yeah. did it. Yeah. God bless him, man. I mean, it takes leaders like that. And, and yeah. I know the Democratic Party wants to throw him out. And, but, you know, God, you know, the guy could run for president, probably. Yeah. But yeah. Well, you know, the Republican Party would <clears throat> gladly take him if they did. But uh, Yeah, sure. but he would become, you know, he yeah, would yeah. be, you know. I think he'd be, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your, your political future, Roger. <laughs> so once HRM3 is sold, I mean, what's holding you back? Um, my lovely wife, Meredith. Yes. <laughs> she wants your rear end in Santa Fe. Yes. I'm Very sure. lovely, lovely, patient, and wonderful <laughs> yeah. wife. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. an amazing person. You know, I just can't get over your boots to road. I mean, I love the family brand, but I'm going to question the color scheme. Oh. I'm just going to. What has he got you here? Know, you know, well, well, it's the white, and it's, you know, it's the. Uh, I got, I got some red, white, and blue on there. You know? I think it looks good. Uh, you know, it, you really don't see one unless I'm sitting down. But, yeah. Uh, when I was skinny, I used to used to tuck my jeans in my boots. But, uh, <laughs> that would be a sight. Yeah. Well, you, you, look, El Wapo is the best best dressed man in the oil gas business. Oh, I know that. And and if you've been to David's house ever, I'd encourage you to, oh, to show up anytime. I won't get the address. I've never been to David's. I've never been invited. So when I took a tour oh, of, that's his, of his beautiful home, you walk into David's closet right and i think it's just david's closet it and is it, it is like a well his <laughs> wife's in there too you just don't see it, it yeah. she's got it occupies a small percentage right i'm talking j-lo closet <laughs> with floor to ceiling for boots floor to ceiling for like 100 suit jackets i'm like i i, I shop at academy I, I don't quite understand well greg you're a man that uh is what they call a otr guy off the rack guy <laughs> and uh you know, I'm working on getting back in that deal. So, you know, i got to go see Abdullah the tent maker from time to time. Yeah, you can. i got a guy for you. But, you know, you say you've only, the only time you've ever seen me I'm in a black suit. There's a reason for that, right? i got like... Well, well he wants to be professional. And, <laughs> well, and if he doesn't like what you say, he'll take you out. He looks like exactly. the guy from... Uh, uh, oh, I guarantee you he's got a pistol on him right now. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, well, and look, it's very presidential of you, too. Uh, you know... Presidents are that way. They'll wear the same suit, same shoes. They don't, you don't have time to think about that stuff. No, you really don't. You know, in my personal dressers, they they didn't did not make this trip. So. Yeah. Well, and Meredith knew what she was getting into when she you know when she signed up. Oh for that Lord deal. God, man. God she's, bless her. She's a good woman. She is a good woman. She uh, puts up with me. It's amazing. I don't know how. So we're getting we're getting the uh, long in the tooth. Are we getting yeah. anywhere? Well, no, no, we're not long in the tooth. I think a couple of things we want to. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to touch on? Well, first off, this is probably going to be part one of a part two series, yeah, a lot of or it could be do. a part 100 series, but uh, I think uh, we'll probably continue this discussion uh, up in Denver. I think we were talking about maybe having the Churchill sessions. Oh, I think we're making an official announcement that we yeah. will be in Denver yes. broadcasting the Oilfield 360 podcast out of Churchill's. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to line up some, some you never stellar can. guests. I don't think you need to line up anybody. I think you just show we up just and, have see, a revolving door. and see I, what happens. That place yeah. is, again, it's the center of gravity, so you, you never know. know. I'm going to ask Ann to come on the show and uh, oh, talk Jesus. to us about her <laughs> her views and political strategy. But, uh, you know, and, and uh, get Lynn over there and Steve and, and, yeah. and Barth. Barth. Get yeah. Barth in there. We can talk a, to Gregor. Eric has a lot more time on his hands now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it'd be good to get up there. Uh, love the Rockies. Love Denver in particular. Oh yeah, a lot yeah. of great, lot of great folks up there. Oh, heading uh, up there right after, right after this, actually. So uh, God's country. Well, but, my uh, cigar box is open to you. There thank you. Not much in it, thank but you. feel free. <laughs> you know. Well, um, you've been kind of, you've been kind of uh, share that with us over the years, and uh, 
one of the things that, that we, we like to ask our guests, and, and I'll ask you again when we have you back on, but we always like to ask our guests if you could go back to your younger self and share some wisdom uh, or, or some guidance, what would that be? Or, or, or just some words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience that's listening right now as it relates to love, life, business, oh, wow. whatever. You know, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing, man. I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of talent coming up. We've got a lot of talent. Um, it's sort of the same stuff. Work hard. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You know, you're working in a company. People want to see them. People want to see folks raise their hand. They want to have somebody that's going to step out front, willing to do the work. Um, one of the things I did learn was um, I remember working at one company. It was at Basin. And shoot, man, I was in between 6 or 6.30 in the morning. I'd be there late. I'd show up on Saturdays. And at the end of the day, it really didn't matter that much. It's really working effectively, right? That's getting your stuff done. Uh, it's being effective, doing good work. Um, always trying to take on new things. What can you do? I mean, I'm a geological engineer by background. And all of a sudden, I started doing um, acquisition analysis. I was running Aries. I was, you know, negotiating mergers. And it was my career just added up through the years, which allowed me to have a natural progression into running and running a company. My last job that I don't know that if I was fired from or I quit, I was actually theoretically number two in the company. Um, but it was really great because you get exposed to everything. And for me, you know, I came up the small company side, <clears throat> excuse me, which was a blessing because you get exposed to everything. Yeah. And so many times we get friends at, um, colleagues at some of the larger companies, they get pigeonholed a little bit. They may get geographically different exposure, but they don't get a lot of discipline cross-exposure. I had one engineer um, from Mines that called me, and they were talking about a, a water flood unit, and they were trying to understand what they should be doing. And I said, well, what does the unit operating agreement say? And they said, what do you mean? Oh, well, there's a unit operating agreement that should, op that should cover your entire water flood. Well, really? I said, why don't you go down to your landman's office and pull that unit operating agreement? Because they were trying to figure out they're going to do some work on some wells and who needs to be notified. I said, go down there and instead of just asking for it or asking them, why don't you pull the unit operating agreement? It's your property. You're responsible for it and read it. So you understand what's involved with this, right? And because so many times um, we get used to having other people do work for us. Right. And we're not allowed to touch it. And by that, we're not, we're not really learning. I mean, it's, again, that sort of raise your hand, be willing to right. be part of it, right? Um, and don't be afraid to take a chance. Yeah. You know, I was, I was actually, you were talking on politics. I was sitting with somebody who was, looking at running for a political office and it's it's going to be a challenge i mean it'll be a challenge and this person is putting up quite a substantial amount of money of their own money into it and it, when you know when we ended up i said i will never ever tell you not to do something if you get the push for it the one thing you don't want to do is be sitting here in 20 years wondering what if 
And that's what caused me to start my first company was I could have gone and had a job, but I always knew I wanted to try to start a company. And I didn't want to sit here 10 to 15, 20 years later, still may have a successful career somewhere, but go, God damn, what if I had actually done this when the opportunity presented itself and I just sort of crapped a brick? I wasn't willing to do it. <laughs> you know, when it push came to shove, I didn't believe enough in myself to do it. Well, it's so. one of those things where I can't imagine <clears throat> any other version of Roger Hudson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? That's 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 how I've known you and that's that's how I I yeah, it'd be hard for me to picture you as anything else than what you are today, right? And I, I well, that's kind of you. Wholeheartedly agree. It's, yeah, it's push, your, push yourself. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be wrong either. You right? got to be. Mistakes. You're going to be wrong. You will be wrong. What, they, they, zip code. what do they say? Success looks a lot like failure, and uh, you know, I think that drive is a good thing. I think there are a lot of young folks that think they can go out and you know do their own deal. The problem is they don't appreciate how much work that takes or and how much you have well, to give up and, and you've been super successful, but you've given up a lot and you've worked your ass off and you continue to do that. And you surround yourself with people, um, that, that support your efforts and where you're looking to go. And that's, that's critical. Mm -hmm. That are a lot smarter than me. You know, I remember sitting down, I, w I had the <clears throat> fortunate opportunity to, um, the Denver Petroleum Club ran a, uh, mentorship program. And I was fortunate enough to be a mentor. But they also had the previous class. They opened it up if they wanted to talk to us. And this guy came and sat down with me, and he was a, a landman. And he wanted to go into business development, which I thought was great. He goes, I know I can do it. And want your opinion. And I said, sure. I said, what do you bring to the table? Well, I'm a great networker. Super. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know? And he goes, well, you know, I can network. I can put these deals together. And I said, okay, give me an idea of your network. You know? And he starts talking about happy hours. And I said, now stop. I said, you understand networking is not showing up with your friends at a bar. It is to a point, but it's really making opportunity and, and getting yourself involved in organizations and opportunities which expand your career. Right. Okay? A bar is not that. How many wives are found in a bar? Not a lot, except for Greg. Not many good ones. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think it's, and what you find is, and I told him, I said, okay, you're, you're telling me you're a great networker. He goes, I'm a great networker. I know I can do this. I said, pull out your phone. Pull up two CEO cell phone numbers. And he just looked at me. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're a great goddamn networker. Show me, your, show me your Rolodex. Give me two CEO phone numbers. Well, I said, then, you know, basically shut the hell up. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to give you context where if you're trying to really be impactful and be able to change things and make contacts and do this and do that, you know, don't sit here and blow smoke up my ass and, and yeah. tell me. And the guy was a good kid, um, but it's, it's sort of like I want to walk into it, to your point, without doing the work. Yeah. And it was interesting because he came back to me later and he said, you know, I really heard you on that. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And I said, look, that's, that's great. Just keep going. Just yeah. keep doing it. 
to kind of to that point with some of our younger folks, because you know, anybody can get phone numbers. I go, <laughs> make sure they answer the call. That's well, <laughs> that better. Who, which CEOs are you texting with? True. You know, and um, uh, I think that's uh, that, that was good advice you gave that fella. Well, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, and it's good to have, you, you need a healthy ego. Let's make no mistake about it. A healthy ego is very important no matter what you do. However, um, it can't be to a point where you exclude the understanding that you're not really that smart. Yeah. <laughs> or okay. special. Or special. Or special. Or yeah. special. You know, and uh, where people really, at the end of the day, don't owe you anything. Right? Because how many people, and you know, it's all ages, but we, we see that a little bit, especially in work ethic today. You sort of owe me. Really? Yeah. What? <clears throat> Why? I tell, I tell my beautiful <laughs> eight-year-old daughter all the time, the world owes you nothing. nothing. Not one thing. And it's an ugly place if you go out there with that attitude. It can be nasty, yes. brutish, and short. Well, there are, those, there are those groups out there that wear the little funny uh, pink hats and things like that that... You know, they think the world owes them quite a bit. And I've, you know, again, um, we can get into all sorts of social discussions, but about privilege and, and this and that, man, I, you know, again, I came from not a lot. And I've been very fortunate. And what I always try to encourage people to do is just is just that. Lean in hard because if you, if you yourself are putting forth that effort, and you keep going at it, and you expand, right? Again, this is a whole part of raise your hand, get into other organizations. You can't just do it isolated in the company. Right. Because you may or may not get noticed. Right. But you get out with other groups and other things like that, and you're out there hustling your ass off and doing this and that. People will notice. And then they're going to ask you to do something else. And then maybe they'll say, hey, I've got an opening over here. This guy's pretty good. I mean, this guy's a, you know, this guy does this and this. Or this guy just simply raises his hand as willing to be helpful. That's who I need on my team. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, and, and that's how you're not even entitled. You earned it. Well, and we, you know, think about the people that we hire for private equity, right? And every interview that I'll have, and I'm typically coming in after they've passed all the math tests and stuff like that, right? They can do, <laughs> they can, they can do math. But I come in and, I, and you know, what I, what I really try to signal to them is that, look, there is no rule book. There is no playbook for what we do. We're here mm -hmm. to create opportunities. And one thing, playing off of your philosophy there, is you create a lot of possibilities that you didn't know existed by putting yourself out there. And ultimately, the play, doing what we do, doing what you do as an entrepreneur, is like, look, we're, let's draw the backyard football analogy. The play is I'm the quarterback, and I'm throwing it to you, Roger. So I need you to get open. Yes. That's all I can tell you. Just Snap, hut, get open, I'm throwing it to you, right? And, you know, a lot of people just aren't, you know, they've not been conditioned to that. They've not put themselves out there before. It can be hard for them to push through that. So really encouraging younger talent, and you did this for me in spades, right, which is you're a total knucklehead, but here, like, here's something. <laughs> but you'll, you'll run through brick walls if I ask you. So here's something, mm -hmm. I, you know, go try this out and go meet these people and, and just see what comes of it. And don't expect anything. Just apply yourself fully. Uh, and good things will come back to you. That's, that's, I'm a firm believer in that. And it will. That's true. I absolutely promise to you it will. And it, it just takes a little effort. It's, um, it's, it's, it's lost on some. To some it comes naturally. Um, 
and all you can do is, is try to push them in that direction. Um, and good things will happen. It's how, yeah. And you've got a lot of folks that are, again, they're frustrated. They, 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 I think they, they're talented, and they, they, I think they feel pigeonholed, and, and how do I get out, how do I excel? And, um, you know, we've seen an awful lot of, uh, and you especially, Greg, I'm sure have seen a lot of young, talented teams go out there. But how many mm -hmm. talented teams out there right now can't raise capital? Uh, well, most of them. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's yes. And maybe that's part of our to-be-continued discussion because I think there's a lot to that point that's taken place in the industry where, you know, that trust that you've been able to engender with your stakeholders at large, we really failed at that, right? And I think you're seeing the impact in the inability to access capital, even if you're a successful team, right? So that's something that maybe we can touch on in the future. I, I do... Uh, Definitely think so. Yeah, right? It's important because... We've got to rebuild that trust for our industry to really, truly sure. move forward, right? Um, the, Roger? We, we see that in the banks, right? No uh, doubt. We see that no doubt. Banks. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking some time out during your busy NAEP schedule to sit down and visit with us. I hope people enjoyed hearing a little bit about your story. <laughs> and believe me, there are there's a novel that could be written, and it would be nonfiction, <laughs> uh, but probably not proper topics for this, for this, for this format. But... Uh, Look, you mean a lot to both of us. Uh, I, you're a very dear friend. Thank you for making the time. Uh, very much looking forward to getting to Denver and continuing this discussion and, and bringing in some of the folks in your orbit and getting them out there, uh, letting their voice be heard. If people want to find you, how do they find you? That's a good question. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me pull that up because you can actually find us, I believe, at hrmresources.com. But, you know, theoretically, you were going to put this out, right? Um, bum, 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 bum. LinkedIn, L. Roger Yeah, Hudson. there's there's LinkedIn. I was told there's yeah. LinkedIn, um, and I told David on this to, thing called the interweb. I'm going to go connect is that what it is? with Roger today on the LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> LinkedIn.com in L. Roger Hudson, and that's with a T versus okay. a D. Okay, because I we came from the poor side of the family. We can't afford a river. We we got a T. Well, good for you. You know, but okay. thank you. Um, God, what a pleasure to see both of you guys. And I think what we talked about is when we do it again, um, whether it's at 10 in the morning or at 4 in the afternoon. It can be an all-dayer. Cigars and scotch are required yes. uh, early and often. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it's sad indeed that we, quite frankly, don't have any um, uh, liquor distributors here early in the morning uh, trying their wares out because I think it's a great opportunity for them. I saw Chick-fil-A over here. I thought that was great. Yeah. Chick-fil-A is here, but McAllen is not. So, you know, I don't know who's running this thing, but I, uh, just a helpful suggestion. We'll drop a, that in the suggestion. Yeah, we'll on a going forward basis. Yeah. Right. You know, I think that would be helpful. Get a little cigar rolling. I think they've had that in the past. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, I think it would be good. What a pleasure to see you both. Always, I mean, sir. I love you both, and it's a, we love a you too. pleasure to be here. Yeah. And we'll have fun. You know, come up. Let me host you guys. We'll go to the Brown. and. Do you think we'll have fun with him? Nah. I don't think I've ever had much fun uh, with him. <laughs> That's why you're inviting Ann. Yeah. There we, you go. <laughs> hey, you know, it'd be also too interesting if we can get old uh, Iron Pants, Mr. Tim Travis, to come oh, join us Jesus too. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. We've got to buy him a new ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just really do. Yeah, we're going to have to unpack that later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Iron Pants. His, yeah. Uh, that would be, you know, his problem. He, well, he'll come into Churchill's, you yes, know. Yes. But I don't, the man's never drank. No. Um, there's a reason for that, obviously. Uh, but it would be great. I mean, you can do a, a, a four-hour session with him. 
and you will never have to speak one word. <laughs> so no, I think it'd be fun. We yeah. can, you know, tell us who you want to have. We'll have. Uh, well, it's just you know, Greg and I both love collecting people, as I call it. Sure. And and we have some of our favorites, and you're definitely one of them. And and uh, you know, of all the of all the people that we probably could have had to do this today, um, Greg and I, when we were talking about doing this, our minds because we're kindred spirits, we're like, Roger's going to be in town. Oh, we got we had a tele- we had a, It was a telepathic moment, <laughs> I swear, because David gets up. I thought he had to go to the restroom or something. He comes back, and he's like, hey, I just talked to our first podcast guest. And already in my head, I was like, uh-huh. well, it's got to be Hudson. He's like, it's Roger Hudson. I was like, oh, man, that is just. Whew. And you know what's shocking to me is that was like at 930 this morning. Yes. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> that was unbelievable. I thought you guys did better planning, <laughs> yeah. but I get a call at 930. What are you we, doing at 10? Yeah. yeah. I spent 15 years prepping for this. Yeah. yeah we about? had, you know, we're not saying anything, but uh, we're normally pretty well prepared. And maybe guess one, two, and three. Didn't come. Omicron late night last night. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're still in bed. Do you mind sort of stepping up and, and um, you know, well, saying well, something? We well, took we took the BS and W off the, off the bottom of the tank battery. I, today. You did, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's where I live and swim, and I'm okay <laughs> I'm because okay with that. I can say, you know, other people's crumbs are are, are my fortune. We'll, so we'll pay you our twenty dollars uh, shortly after the show. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we got our twenty dollars worth. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Nah, true pleasure, guys. Thank well, you. It's just good to see you guys, and even just as we sit down here, just to have time with the two of you. Well, my thank class. you for sharing your story. Your story is one of the greatest in the business, and I appreciate you sharing that. I well, you know, know it's, it's, a it's story. kind of you to say that, and I don't really think so. I mean, I I view it as it's it's what happened to me, and it was again, it was uh, it was kind of unusual. Um, and but it it everybody has their own story, and that's you know that's the beauty of and you you guys see that when we, you come up to Churchill's, we'll sit down, everybody will sit down and give you a story. That's great. And what yeah. we find is we all have a few things in common. Yes. And once we understand those few things we have in common, everything else is possible. Because uh, even as even if we have people, shoot, we'll see if Polis will stop by. Yeah, that'd be good. We'll reach out to Polis and see if, if he's even in town. He's a good dude. I think you'd really enjoy talking to him. Smart, smart son of a bitch. You, you know, take him on. You better, you better have done your homework. Baby. It would, it would be good to get Jared on. I've, I've enjoyed some conversations with him and. Uh, I think I think that'd be that'd be awesome if we could get him to come by. Yeah, we'll work your mojo there. Mr. Well, let's see. Well, I'll have you call him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watch, call your cell phone and show me his phone number. Yeah. yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, I think yeah. I uh, well, no. Thank you again, and, and thank sure. you, thank you to our listening audience. Thank you to our generous sponsors. Uh, if you want to find Oil Field 360, you can find us on uprightdigital.com. You can also find us on YouTube uh, if you want to see our lovely faces while yep. you're hearing us speak. We're on YouTube uh, now. Oh yeah, you're gonna. We're on YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah. The Oilfield 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Locked in Global Energy and Marine, uncommonly independent. Locked in is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Locked in's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit LockedIn.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people. 
their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com.